Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Welcome back, everyone, to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week, remembering we're the show that's getting you over the vantage line of the hottest topics of Australian rugby. My name's Reg Roberts, joining you once again as a host, and together again, uh, as per usual, we've got the A-team back with complete you know, complete respect to Jamie Miller, who's not here this week, but Matt Rowley and Hugh Cavill, how are you going, Matt? Good, mate. Yeah, good to, good to be on board. Excellent. And Hugh Cavill, how are you going, Hugh? A bit tired. It's been a real roller coaster. Been an emotional kind of month, so uh, I'm take it on there. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're going to get into it, but it's been, hasn't it been a great refresher for Australian rugby fans in terms of, you know, rebuilding, rebuilding a bit of the faith or rebuilding a bit of the passion in rugby again after a, a fairly dour and challenging Super Rugby season. It was a, a pretty epic test win day. Yeah, Australia Island, of course, but even beyond that, it was fantastic international rugby. Uh, concur. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we might talk about a bit of that anyway as we go forward. Uh, five burning questions tonight, as per usual. The questions will be somewhere along the lights of, of did that final test live up to the hype? Question two, how would you mark that Wallabies out of ten? Uh, question three, the key takeaways for the series as a whole, what were they? So looking back at the whole Island series. Question four, how does that set us up for the rugby championship, which is must be only a few a month, a couple of months away? And then question five, uh, having a look at Super Rugby. And what's the big uh, eye-catching games for this week on Super Rugby? So the final test, lads, we went into it one all um, after that great Ireland win in Melbourne, their first win in Australia since 1978. And uh, Sydney, Hugh, I know you were there. Matt, I assume you were at the game, were you? Yes, mate. Excellent. Well, talk us through, I guess, you start with yourself, um, the experience of the game, the excitement around it, and then uh, did it yeah, all up well, to that look, night. I... Um, was there with a few people from my work and, and, and my girlfriend, and it was first things first. I mentioned in my article today, it's just a pain in the ass to get into that stadium. I mean, it, we queued for about 10 minutes. I think it was a group of about a thousand trying to get through four turnstiles um, over where my gate was, and then even then, once you got in, it still took another 10 minutes just to elbow your way through to your seat. Um, once, once it was in there, it was a fantastic atmosphere, and, and it just it had a it, it had real weight to it, real feeling uh, to the game. And I think everyone everyone knew what was what was uh, riding on it. Um, you know, the music was good, the singing from the Irish. There was you know, it, it's certainly a much more vocal rugby crowd that I was that I was used to. Um, and you know, even the Wallabies fans were getting into it as well, <laughs> even if it was just getting into the refs and not supporting the team. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it, it was um, it was a fantastic game. And, I, and, I, and, you know, at the ground, I thought it was a great game and lived up to the hype. And then watching back on the replay, I could only sort of confirm that opinion. It, it was a fantastic test match and it was physically willing. You could really feel the energy and the quality from the players um, uh, from the side of the uh, stadium. And, and, you know, it, it's... Um, built to that crescendo in the end where you know, everyone was on there and, and you know, came down to the last pass of the game and if it goes to hand, it's probably a try and if it doesn't, um, I'll, I'll take out the, the, uh, the series and that's what it, that's what it was. So look, it, it, uh, it's one of the best tests I remember in terms of its quality, in terms of um, its conclusion and, and um, it was just a fantastic test to be at. I think it's one I remember for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting, Matt. It was you look back. I mean, we three together were at the test. The wasn't the same test. Sydney test last year when we went down to Scotland in what was a pretty disappointing. You know, it was afternoon rugby, but there wasn't a great crowd. There wasn't much of a feel to it. Um, the test itself was a letdown, particularly from a Wallaby performance. Uh, then you go back a year before that, and there was the England game, which was a, a high scorer, but probably not the same intensity. England were very good. Australia probably weren't able to keep it up as, as much as, as uh, the, our opponents could. What do you feel about this one? This this was test rugby, wasn't it? It, it felt like a, uh, a a proper, you know, a, like a, th- a third test decider should. Yeah, it did, mate. It was absolutely fantastic. And um, as I tried to say somebody, to, some, to an Irish person in my office today, 
um, the aggregate score was 55-55 throughout the three mm. tests. Um, yeah. So I tried to call it a draw. He wouldn't take that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it was, and it had a cracking feel to it, just as Hugh said. Um, it's Being involved in a test match with the Irish is always brilliant. They're, they're, they're a great bunch. Um, and, you know, win, lose, or draw, they're, you know, they're there for the crack, so to speak. And so, you know, you're always going to be in for a good yeah, time. Yeah, indeed. And let's, let's you know, yeah. But doesn't that... Hasn't I saw someone tweeted maybe even before the second test or just after the second test? It's almost like these June tests, which I think will become July tests next year, have surpassed the rugby championship. You know, as mm-hmm. long as we get a three-test series against, and, and you know, you'd take England, you'd take Ireland, you'd take Wales. God, you'd take um, Scotland at the moment, considering what they've done to us in the past. Even three tests versus the French, the New Zealand French test. These incoming tours have added a whole new dimension to rugby, and if we can get these three-test tours going. It's, it's it's fascinating, right? It's great to see it at its highest level. It is. I mean, it comes closer to like you know, like a Lions series, doesn't yeah. it? Because you've got that consistent opposition. Um, what's maybe better about these though is that um, they're not trying to stick them in Olympic stadiums. Um, yeah. So you know, um, I went to both uh, SunCorp and uh, to the SFS and. She's right. I mean, you know, the SFS is well past the use-by date um, as far as just being, even just being able to get in or out of the thing or go to the toilet. Apart from that, when you sat in your seat, it's pretty good. But anything else around that, I mean, if you could get dropped in by drone, um, it'd be pretty, it'd be fine. But anything else around the SFS really sucks. Um, but you know, in, in terms of the size and the stadium cauldron feeling, it's great. It's a great ground. Suncorp obviously is awesome, and uh, a mate of mine went to the Melbourne and said that was a cracker as well. Um, you know, probably even you know because it's a bit smaller, potentially even better. So, you know, you've got those things. Obviously, what's changed though is, you know, these incoming teams now because the playing field's a lot more level. It's an interesting test match. I mean, only a few years ago you would have had. Um, you know, complete nuffy writers saying that Ireland would never amount to a hill of beans. Um, you know, whereas now we can see that they're, you know, deservedly, you know, kind of two in the world at the moment. And so there's, there's someone great to kind of test yourself against. But, but it's got to it be, it's got to be a different mindset from these guys too, whether it's, you know, all these guys are coached by Southern Hemisphere coaches now. But, you know, mm-hmm. remember historically and even, even ignore that 98 English tour, they have more often than not sent over not so much second string, but the rest of the hell of a lot of quality players. And maybe these Northern Hemisphere coaches are realising, or the Southern Hemisphere coaches are realising, if ultimately you want to beat the, you know, the, the Kiwis, the, the Springboks, the Wallabies in the World Cup, you've got to play them more often. You've got to play them with your best players because um, that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing full-strength English, Irish, Scottish teams, and, mm. and they're challenging. I wonder if, is it, I, I haven't heard anyone talk about this, but considering how much rugby they play now, compared to what they used to play, you nevertheless get the feeling that these guys can probably cope with it better. Um, you know, back in the day, it was, oh, God, they really needed a rest. Um, whereas now, and considering how much um, punishment goes into those bones, but um, it seems like these guys can pretty much play, you know, 12 months a year. Well, mate, I, I think the ones that are copying it are the Aussies and the internationals over there. I think it's the likes of Fardy and Fallard and that are copying it because, mm. you know, you, you hear the stories of Connor Murray and... And, and Johnny Sexton, or maybe not Johnny Sexton because I think he's overseas, but Conor Murray, all these Irish guys, and I'm sure the, the English who are centrally contracted, they're really getting their workload balanced. I think Conor Murray played six to eight, you know, um, uh, Irish, um, whatever province he plays for games this year. So they're mm. really sort of balancing their workload, particularly in the lead of the World Cup. So, you know, meanwhile, it's the poor, you know, the international player they're signing that's not going to go off and play test rugby. They're, they're playing all the time. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's all out. But the thing that, you know, you're just saying what made this series and um, what kept it at test match intensity, you've got to say it was defence. Because you go back to that English series and it just, you know, the the games would just blow open and get away from you and you're chasing the game and, you know, suddenly there's, you know, 20-odd points racked up. Um, You know, they've talked about, I think, fitness has had a lot to do with that. We've managed to keep up that intensity. Um, And so um, that seems to have made a, a massive difference. And considering it was something that we'd been talking about um, for a number of years, about why on earth wouldn't you be able to be coordinated with that and the difference that that's made. But I think that was the big, big difference, right? And like I say, it was 55-55 by the end of the three tests. Um, it was as close as you like. The intensity was there. Um, yeah, like you say, it was a proper test think, series. I think um, looking at why it's resonated so much as well is 
you know, we've, we've talked about Super Rugby and the problems of Super Rugby, and, and just having three straight back-to-back weeks of, of Wallaby games in, in prime time, you know, 7.30, the same, it's 8, 8 o'clock on Saturday, you know, set your watch to it, and turn up and turn on, and you know what's going to be there, and the consistency thing that I thought was fantastic, and now we go into Rugby Championship where we're, you know, across different sides of the world, and it's different every week, and where are we going when, and who are we playing when, and even though there's a fairly set sort of order to how we do things now with the rugby championship, um, I don't know. It was just back to that really basic sort of three games, three weeks. Let's get it done, um, which you know is yeah. is beautifully simplistic. Yeah, and, and look, and I don't want to sound parochial, and, and I definitely am regarding the game of rugby, but um, you know, it, it reinvigorated my passion for it after, like we said, the Super Rugby. But even I've I've, I've taken the chance to watch some. Because I have doubted the code, you know, in the, the past few months or years. And I took the chance to watch, you know, soccer at its best in the World Cup and rugby league at its best in the Origin. And, and fantastic occasions. But, geez, I still don't think they're a patch on rugby union. You know, those test matches. Mm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the skill level is it the same. The other two are much more simple games so they can enhance their skill, skill level. And Origin obviously has that almost MMA quality to it in terms of its violence. But... Um, you know, you package all up those rugby tests and the, the different machinations between how an Irish team plays and an Australian team plays, let alone a French, a New Zealand, a South African, and it's what to love about this game. And it, I think we saw it there um, this last three weeks. Well, well, you might, mate, and and you and and I and um, Hugh might think that, but um, there's an interesting article saying that. Um, uh, about the the TV ratings, so saying that just 435,000 tuned into Australia versus Ireland, while 489,000 watched Belgium versus Tunisia. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that a combined rating? Yeah, uh, I think that might be free to wear. Yes, yeah, that's always misleading. So that's ten versus SBS. Fox Sports, and so the Fox Sports will pick up another couple of hundred thousand too. But yeah, I mean, yeah, well. Open market. Yeah, it closes off maybe to to segue into the question too. I just think it was, you know, the game's in a good spot in terms of how it's been played on the field. You you think back to some of these mid-year internationals in years past, and you go back 10 years even, and, you know, there are scrums and scrum resets and and set-piece getting bogged down and and slow sort of paced games and, you know, low skill levels and these sort of things. And you know, Wallabies were playing grinding sort of rugby, and now you know we we, we it was just really good demonstration of the game. Both teams played willing physical defence, but were prepared to spread the ball when they needed to. Some interesting tactics with the kicks, the short kicks, and the and the up and unders, and and you know the set piece was pretty good, and scrums were were willing and well contested line out sort of you know this we can get started on the TMO a bit later. There's still kinks to be ironed out, but I think. Yeah, the games as it's being played at the top level is really attractive to watch at the moment. Yeah, and Australia's the Australian rugby public's got a lot to, to love back about the game to, to, to sort of earn back the respect. Well, the game's got a lot to earn back the respect of the fans. I mean, last year was diabolical in terms of the quality of the rugby and everything that was going on. There's no, it's no surprise that people aren't watching, switching in, on in droves. Those games deserved more people watching them. Um, and, you know, soccer is soccer. It's, you know, it's a global game. Anyone can watch it. And there's, it's a huge population audience. But um, hopefully those audiences grow for the rugby championship on the back of um, on the back of this test series and, indeed, the French-New Zealand test series and the South Africa-England series, um, which are all crackers as well. Um, but, yeah, maybe let's, let's delve into a little bit more of the test um, itself and, and talk about some... I guess the performance of the Wallabies. And, Matt, to you first, and, you know... For the sake of a discussion point or a start, a leap-off point, give us a, a mark out of the 10 and, and how you felt the Wallabies went, you know, for this test. Well, look, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. And I must admit, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it back yet. So um, Hugh can probably look at it with a little... has probably had a look at it with a little bit less emotion um, and alcohol involved. But, um, look, I'd have to say it's a... It's different in different parts, um, but if I was to add it up using the green and gold rugby patented um, system uh, where, you know, five is average and ho-hum, I'm probably nudging it up around, and this might sound a bit strange considering it felt like a t- Titanic test match. I don't know. I, I'd have to, I could only go so far as maybe a seven, and I'm veering a on a six. But, you know, 
let's go test first, and, and we can talk about as we jump in the next one, which is more series, we can talk about a, a broader. Yeah. Um, but I, well, I'd agree with that, Matt. I reckon I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, Six exactly. quarter and seven for this, but go on. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and look, there are things in there that makes me want to nudge it towards a seven. So, God, it was good to watch an Aussie scrum hold its own yet again. Um, mm-hmm. it, it had been sold throughout the series. It even turned into a bit of a weapon, and that's even with there being some young you know, some young kids in there and, and, mm-hmm. and we're still kind of working our way out, I think, in terms of who the sort of middle five are. But um, that was really, really heartening. Uh, you know, the line-out worked, if not actually um, at the beginning of the, of the match, if I remember rightly, we even nicked a couple. Um, yep. We'd obviously read their line-out calls or something because, you know, that I think we might have been the first line-out where Pocock came to the front and mm-hmm. was, was right in line to steal that short ball. So there was something strange going on there, but... Um, look, and, and there's a bunch of things where you started to get the feel where the Wallabies had actually developed on a little bit. So, you know, they'd finally learnt, you know, that little grubber that Foley put in that Corabetti ended up scoring. Um, those little things that you kind of felt like, oh, you know, that's, you know, something that's a little bit new, something that we've learnt throughout the series, um, that sort of thing. The defence throughout the whole match. But, I don't know, there was still this... I felt whereas Ireland had completely managed to switch gears, bring in different players and just work us out, we were still trying what we tried in the first test and we're just hoping it was going to work again and it, it, yeah, it kind of didn't. Um, and there was a few things in there I still don't understand. And I'll, yeah, There might be professional rugby players will probably be groaning at me on this one, but that high ball exit mm. from our 22, which yeah. drops inside our half... I don't know how many more times we need to try it. And don't get me wrong, it did come off once or twice, but its, it's success rate is so low that you can't, I can't imagine that that's a good pay in Test Match Rugby. Um, and so that whole us getting territory and getting out of our own territory thing is still there, and it's a bit of a glaring weakness. Um, Man, Samu Karevi had the best kicking game of the night. That's, <laughs> that's telling you something. But anyway, yeah. that's, that's what gets me to like a six. Right, yeah, look, it's a mind? six out of ten, maybe six and a half. I mean, you know, as I said in my article today, I mean, the line is so fine. Um, you know, if that pass goes to hand, then forward probably a nine out of ten, isn't it? Because we've reached a thrilling mm. victory against a good side. Um, but, you know, that, that's just footy. And, and, you know, we really should have won that test in the way we finished in that last 15, 20 minutes. You know, it's it's hard or get a penalty or any sort of score in that uh, uh, post-Corabiti try. Um, but, you know, looking back at the test and watching it again, you don't realise how well we did the hold Isle out by half-time. I mean, they were camped on our line for the, for the bulk of the first half and, and how we held them trialless for the first sort of 55 minutes was, was really quite remarkable. Sorry, the first 45 minutes was, was a quite remarkable effort and really um, spoke to our physicality and our commitment in defence and the work that, you know, I had to Nathan Gray's obviously done with the team to, to get those defensive systems in order because they, that was a, you know, a really good effort. So, look, on the one hand, you, you know, you could actually make a case that Ireland should have won by, you know, by a, a margin as well, um, given that they had a chance to really put a, a solid lead on the board. Um, but, you know, ultimately it was us making the plays late in the game and, and at that stage, it was our backs that let us down. Our 10-12 uh, combination didn't do uh, particularly well when we needed them to. I thought Joe Power coming off the bench was was um, really below his best, which was a shame. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. it was something to happen. And, and our forwards were really giving it all and, and, and putting in. And some of those hit up some Latu and Tupo and Tui and Simmons and, and um, even Ned Haddigan getting in on the game like, were, were excellent. Um, and... They created the space for that last play. Um, you know, we had a, a, a two-man overlap with Salamu and, and DHP in the corner, um, but Neil crabbed across field and then Foley crabbed across field and, and the Irish defended really well and didn't bite on any of Beal's sort of dummies and Stockdale came in well and, and it just it just all failed. So, look, it, it's a sick bit hollow in the end. Um, but you know what? Like, I think it was a weird mood in the ground, Matt. I don't know if you'd agree with me, but, you know, normally after these Wallaby losses and I've seen my fair share is <laughs> there's either that sort of resigned ah oh, the wallabies are you know horrible or or there's just that agonizing frustration you just want to kick 
kick something or go home and, and uh, smash a window or something. But everyone at the ground was sort of weirdly comfortable with the whole situation. I think everyone had realised they'd just seen a great test and we were probably a bit unlucky in the end, but Ireland were deserving winners. And, and there was a sort of heartening kind of satisfaction with the whole thing. Um, and, yeah, it, it was a really odd sort of vibe. But I don't know if you felt picked up on that, though. Yeah, I did, but I, I, and I don't know though if it's um, we're just that happy it wasn't a whitewashing lost the palms. <laughs> it was a bit of a well, you know, case okay, so we lost two one, but you know at least we made a good showing of it. and We weren't a complete basket case in defence, and you know you had those takeaways. Yeah, you know, it's like a game of golf, you know, where you know the the you might not be happy with the total score, but you know you hit enough good shots that you kind of think, oh, there's something in that. Um, I think that's where people are um, at the moment. I think also you've got to remember it was a really bloody bizarre way to end the game of rugby. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> sat, sat there watching French guy mime into his an earpiece, um, wondering what the hell was going on and, you know, what was going to happen with it, it, it which, which, you know, had happened throughout the whole game. So that, that was also a bit bizarre, right? So the balloon had been burst. All right, well, let's, let's talk broader because I think there's a few issues we want to get, on, get into specifically. We'll talk about the key takeaways for the series, but I guess I'll, I'll lead you first before you know you get on some of your own other areas. And, and Matt, for you for this one, the TMO, I, I don't know, is it a refereeing thing or a TMO? I, I thought the refereeing was actually pretty good, and, I, and again, across mm. the internationals, I thought the refereeing was pretty good. It is the TMO that I have a significant issue with, and I think... It, it, I think that's, I'm not Robinson Crusoe there. The overt intrusion of the TMO in the game is just horrendous. And it just, and, and you know, I guess you guys spoke to it last week, but it was just reiterated again on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was an, it was an absolute shocker. I mean, I, probably two of the more popular tweets I've had for a while, um, I popped out on, uh, Sunday. And one was just sort of talking about what I touched on there was, how much of a how poor a product experience it is to sit in the stand, mm-hmm. you know, watching a guy talking to his ear, having no idea what's going on. Um, I had a couple of people come back to me, go, "Why haven't you bought sports ears?" And I'm a bit like, "Well, I, you know, I, I kind of, but like, you, there's not many other games that you know, football codes that you have to, you know, you have to buy a radio piece to listen into the, mm. you know, to understand what's going I, on. I, um, and it's just so. On that. Why isn't the app on my phone? Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Beer, I'm there to sing beers with my mates. I'm not being in the sit of my bloody earphones. Yeah. And, and when I'm in the press box, I used to have sports ears, and that was useful. But I don't know if you're there with, with, with your mates. That's a really viable concept. Well, and look, then on Sunday night, we had the thing with the, with the you know, with Ig, where they just have a, the guy microphone, for God's sake. And everyone around the ground knows what's going on. They don't have this bizarre situation that we found ourselves in. So number one was what it's done to completely disassociate anybody who's at the ground and ruin the last... I mean, that's where your core followers are, right? They're actually there, and you're turning that into a poor experience. That seems absolutely mad. And then uh, I guess my second one was, what what are we going... What are we watching the game for, whether you're going to the ground or watching on TV? Are you going there with the sincere need that every... you know, indiscretion, especially foul play, that goes on in the field is found. And in fact, you would rather err on the side of people being over-punished or the wrong discretions found and the game stopped while you find those and then potentially, you know, uh, completely derail a match either by... And that's one of the things about when you get these calls is it's not just that they've stopped everybody. It's that then quite often it reverses the run of play. Um, you know, the team that was on attack or the the pressure that's been built has been completely sapped and actually turned around. And suddenly you've got the attacking team with the player in the bin or, you know, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, And then so you've got to ask yourself, you know, you're, you're completely dislodging the game, both stopping it for these huge amounts of time and then B, completely altering the, the outcome of the game based on the need um, for apparently everybody to know that every indiscretion you can find um, has been satisfied, which, which we know is a nonsense anyway, because there are so many more indiscretions that if you've looked at every ruck and breakdown, you would find, um, and then they get let go. And what's even nuttier about it is when you do find these things that are completely obvious post-game, you know, you know take um, you know that tackle that fractured the French guy's face the other week, yep. 
um, this, the post-match sighting committee is a complete farce. Yeah. And we, we're completely weighted to destroying the unground game with absolutely no weight to any sort of justice afterwards. And then I had somebody, there's some strange thinking out there saying, oh, but, you know, if you don't do it live, then, um, you know, the, the, the offending team gets punished in post-matches, but the, um, you know, the non-offending team doesn't benefit from it in the, in the, in the game. And I'm like, actually, punishment like that isn't to benefit the team that, you know, has theoretically received it. It's to punish the team that's done it. So there's yeah. a very strange idea of it. It's kind of like the milking penalties concept, yeah. um, which, you know, makes you now start, Max starts to make you wonder what was happening in the air with that lift is, is that was the, the whole idea yeah. was that. hundred percent, mate. hundred percent. You know, so we, we just got to right with you. Yeah. yeah, and, and I'm with you. The, the inconsistency is one of my big issues with it. Is and, and you know, Falau's been cited, and I think as a dual yellow card for the one he got sin bin for, and the one that has subsequently been picked up by the citing commissioner. And, and, and that that is a perfect example of what is wrong because I I don't think the one he got yellow carded for deserved a yellow card. The one that they missed and have subsequently picked up deserved a yellow card. So why wasn't that picked up? The Jacob Stocktail yellow card, I don't think it's a yellow card. That you know, ridiculous. that's ridiculous. That that happens. Yeah, that is. And both captains, if you've seen the the gif yeah. or the replay of it, both of them sort of reacted the same way, a bit, uh, you know, in, incredulous to it all. But then, you know, if if that's the yellow card, why isn't the the Geordie Murphy, the Irish reserve back rowers, his clear out on on Pocock where he upended him and drove him into the ground. Why wasn't that picked up? I mean, if we are going to stop the game, let's stop the game. I don't want that to happen. I prefer those things just to play on and, you know, rugby be rugby. Um, mm. it, it just, I agree, it takes you out. I'm watching on TV. You guys were there. I can imagine it's bad. But on TV, it is just ludicrous. You know, this, our time is precious. Let's watch the rugby, please. Yeah, I um, completely agree. You, well, I think let's... Sorry, yep. Well, I was just going to say, I think we need to have a complete rethink of that and probably need to go down more the rugby league line of things there, where you, you know, stuff, I'm, you know, the stuff on report. I used to, must admit, I used to look at the leagues and kind of go, oh, this on report thing is a complete waste of time. But now I look at it and go, oh, I'd rather have, yes, please, we'd rather have it because yep. we've, we've gone so far the other way. And here's the thing, Geordie yep. Murphy, is he, is he, has he been cited? No, no. So, you know, anyway, there you go. It's, it's just strange how I look at games, though, because, I mean, everyone's united in the TMO. It's not about particular decisions. I mean, we can argue the Falao decision. We can argue the Stockdale decision. I mean, yep. but it, it's funny. You came to the end and, and um, uh, Gozer, Gozer, however you pronounce his name, penalised Polulato at quite a crucial stage. And, and, and um you know, I was right in front of it, and yeah, you know, we were pretty annoyed at the time, but it was a weirdly sort of nostalgic going back to, oh, it's just a ref mistake. It's, there's no video, there's no... Yes. It, just, it, just, it was a rough call, and he just made the wrong one. And, like, you've just got to shrug your shoulders and, and go with it, because, you know, I watched the game, and there was... David Pocock won a penalty on one knee um, at one point. So, you know, that one clearly went to us, and... and you know, it's just getting back to that old-fashioned shrug your shoulders and go, well, you know, he stuffed it up, but that's that's life. Um, and we didn't need 16 different camera angles to, to help with that. Um, but getting back to other takeaways from that, if I can, if I can, I can talk about a forward pack and just this, you yeah. know, really refreshing way of us, you know, going toe to toe with one of the most physical teams in world rugby, um, and you know, sticking it up them. And yet, look, they probably got. The second game, and then probably the first 15, 60 minutes of the third game. But um, you know, Adam Coleman's just an absolute beast, and and our front row in the set piece were fantastic. Um, and David Pocock obviously is, is just a, a enormous. Um, Luke Antui, where did he come from? Um, that was I thought he'd be a bit. I thought he'd be exposed as a blindside breakaway, but he he, he thrived. Um, and. But also a blindside breaker has played bugger all rugby this season. That was an epic performance by him, yeah. and he only got better. He was still going in the 70th minute. But, yeah, and then throw into yep. that our bench, and every single player off our bench in our yep. quarterback really did a great job. I mean, there were some doubts about Pete Sami, but I thought he was he, he, he fitted in really nicely. Um, and yep. as I said, Rob Simmons was playing some of his best rugby, and then the yep. start on um, on uh, Latu. I mean, because that was... That was an yeah, outstanding yeah, half absolutely. of rugby, and, and 
and you know, even that penalty at the end, he was he was in position, and, and um, you know, I've got no problem with him making that play. Um, and so, yeah, look, you you, you um, there's a lot to like there, and it's a weird thing to look at that All Blacks, the All Blacks game, and you think attack, keep it tight, and just try to beat the hell out of them because. That might be what we're more suited to yeah. doing with this team and, and, and maybe not the classic sort of just holding on in the forwards and backs and hoping they'll win us the game. But can I, how much is... I was going to say, how what's the impact of this new Wallaby coach for the Fijians? Simon, and forgive me for going the anti-Lucy Zelak at the moment, but Simon Raralui, uh, the Fijian, um, forgive the pronunciation there, but you know, he's come in a couple of weeks before this test. And if there is... You know, yeah, okay. If there's two standout differences from our Test Rugby last year, is one the defence, but two, as you say, Hugh, there is that forward pack who were just fantastic, and and you know a pack we've been waiting for for a long time. And across the three tests, I think I think the tests, the forwards were consistently fantastic, and it was the back line that probably, without saying failed us, but let us down a little bit. We couldn't take advantage of it. But I thought that the pack was epic, and, and you know, a lot of those individual performances. I'll add to Latu. That's the performance we've been waiting to see, and we need that for our hooker. I'm a big fan of Brandon Payunga Amosa, but Latu in form. And playing like that is our Wallaby hooker. You know, obviously, without knowing what Tatafu, Tatafu Palatinao is going to do, but that was sensational. So, uh, 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 you know, kudos to... Uh, I'm happy to give some kudos to our new Wallaby forwards coach who was a bit of a, uh, a left-field selection, but um, seems to have had a pretty good instant impact. Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's brought it, then, then that's, that is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think... Uh, well, it probably didn't hurt us that I think the Reds have kind of tightened up around the forward pack. Um, yeah. This year as well, and they injected a few people into that pack, didn't they? Um, mm. Look, one of the takeaways you, you've got to take from it is, and look, I, I, it's sorry to be a bit of a, whilst, well, I'll give it the good and the bad. Whilst you feel like we've tightened up a few of those things, like you're saying there, Reg, you know, having a, a good forward platform, and you, you know, you, you can't win regularly, and you can't win tough games of rugby without it. So that is really, really pleasing to see, and I think the coaches will go away from this series with a lot of heart. And knowing that, you know, you, we went toe-to-toe and, you know, uh, matched in points at least, um, you know, the uh, Six Nations, comfortable Six Nations champions, uh, you've done pretty well in number, two, in number two in the world. So there's, there's some to take from that. The one that's a, still a watch out and that, you know, we really need to see, you know, uh, come out in the, in the rugby championship. So this is maybe a segueing to the next question but is that ability to win um mm. you know just knowing how to win a test and I, I must admit that was my decider going into that test on the weekend why i thought Ireland would take it is just because they know how to win and they've been doing it and they know how to get themselves over the line or, or, or keep us out and that's exactly how it played out um because for example if you you know you have a look at uh some of the stats in terms of territory and possession and like you know in terms of territory in, in the first half we had 34% but in that second half we had 73% of mm. um, of territory um, and 65% of possession um, so really you had all the ingredients that you should have needed to win a low scoring test match by one way or the other and we didn't um, and Ireland's managed to kind of hold us out so you know that's the bit that we're clearly missing. Um, it's great that it was within a score and that, you know, wasn't there against the Poms. Um, so we managed to tighten it up, but we're still, you know, we're, we're still a few spanner turns away from being, you know, the guys that you'd say are real contenders at this point. Yeah, and I I, I think Foley was a weak point for us this series. Uh, you know, he was, he was pretty decent that first test and we won. Um, but... He was um, he was uh, a, you know a fair way behind Sexton and in fact Beal was a, the, the more prominent playmaker for us. Um, Foley's inability to control that game and I think if you talk about you know getting us to win, that's where that's got to come from. That's what Sexton does. That's what Barrett does. You know that's what Pollard's doing for the box. You know it, it's it's what Farrell's doing. It's what Cipriani did on the weekend for the for the Poms. Um, you know, Foley failed to do that for us. And unfortunately, with the World Cup a year away, um, we don't have an alternative. It is He's got to lift his game back to, what, 2015 standards where he was exceptional for the Wallabies in the World Cup um, because we can't do it unless our 10 can, can show us how to do it because uh, it was lacking on the weekend, unfortunately. 
And, and, you know, I think, you know, if you recall a couple of years ago, we were saying, geez, Australia's got no locks and, geez, Australia's got no front rowers. And all of a sudden, you know, we're almost swimming in both. We've got some fantastic prop depth and we've got some sensational lock depth. Hopefully, you know, that next generation of tens and nines are, are coming through and there's some decent talent out there, but they need just a little bit of maturing and, and, um, and, and support, I guess, coaching and guidance to come through. That I don't think they'll be ready for next year, but um, we'll see how we go. We, um, look, before yeah, we get off... I, I yeah, don't know if you're, you. you're going to... Just talk about Isla for a second. I mean... Yes, I think exactly. Forget, yeah. And, and I, I just wonder if leading into the next question slightly that, you know, it's giving us a little false sense of confidence that, you know, Owen were injury-afflicted. You know, that they, they were without Rory Best, they were without... Um, Gary Ringrose, obviously, they were without Dan Levy, Sean Crone, and um, some of these other guys. They were rotating their squad um, and trying to give everyone a bit of game time. They um, obviously lost um, Omani in the... Um, so, you know, they did admirably well to, to come and, and win that series, and, and it's got to be a real high point for Irish rugby. It, it was a controlled performance across all three games. They knew exactly what they were doing. They operated as a unit really well, and they just kept tackling and tackling. And, and as much as we can point to the Wallabies' inability to convert in those last 15 minutes, there was also some absolutely brilliant Irish defence, some desperation tackles, some great reads, and and you know, and at a time where one step up would have probably cost them the game, um, they held firm. And um, it was just a fantastic display. Connor Murray was on form. Johnny Sexton um, was was in good form as well, and. Um, CJ Stand stood up. Tyke Furlong is is just a world fifteen prop. He's oh, amazing, incredible. Um, yep. And yeah, they just they just got the job done, and it was um, it was really great. And as I've said before, in great spirit too. I think I you know there was no niggle, there was no um, yeah. you know off the board shenanigans, and Joe Schmidt seems like a likable guy as well. So yeah, um, as much as it it, it pains me to say, it's, uh, well done, Ireland. No, 100%. I thought they were fantastic. I, I do like the um, the comparison between the nice, controlled, um, calm nature of Joe Schmidt and, and I think what the Irish are. They're a fairly you know, patient and calm and, and controlled team. And uh, Checker, who's a little bit more passionate and, and uh, maybe ill-disciplined, um, as we see in those shots to the field and uh, to, the, to the glass box. And, and that's how the Wallabies play sometime too. But the other nice link there, if you saw on social media, was the connection between Conor Murray and David Pocock. Um, with Conor Murray actually billeting Pocock back on the Australian Schoolboys Tour um, a decade or so ago. Um, so a nice little touch there for them to play a three-test series against each other. But, uh, yeah, I thought the Irish were fantastic. And, you know, you've you got to think that uh, when you're, again, talking about World Cup next year, they're building at the right time. I don't think there's a fear of them picking too early. I think they're, you know, they're doing well to be doing this a year out. And um, with still some of those players to come back, uh, it, it, you know, they'll be serious contenders uh, next year, which is exciting for them. Um, all right, let's look at the rugby championship. So we've got a bit of Super Rugby we'll talk about soon, but the rugby championship's not too far away. Um, you know, the All Blacks got up over France. Uh, the 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 Poms won the last test over South Africa, but still went down to two test one in a pretty remarkable series. And Argentina were quite frankly pretty damn abysmal. Um, going down to Wales and then also getting smashed by Scotland. So, um, but let's look at the, the, you know, let's look at the Wallabies primarily, but I guess we can touch on those teams too, Matt. How do you think this does, and Hughes touched on it a little bit, how do, does this sort of set us in, instead for uh, the rugby championship? Do you give us, you know, give, give you a bit more of renewed hope for it? Well, I, I guess so, but I just don't really think, I don't know, I, I don't feel a lot of certainty necessarily going in. I mean, it was great to see the... Um, the uh, Because the, you feel the defence has tightened up and there's a little bit more edge in the forward pack, you kind of hope that that Sydney shock that we had last year, um, which we then spent, you know, a number of test matches trying to recover from, uh, hopefully doesn't happen. Um, and if we can do that, and again, if we can tighten it up and get it down to, a, you know, a score or two, I think the French showed that the All Blacks, you know, like they always have, look a little bit shaky under pressure. Mm. Um, and the French also showed a little bit how to do it, which is, you know, basically forget about trying to go wide. You just go um, just, you know, one or two out from the ruck and you just keep piling through. And so, you know, if, if we do that and then just keep it tight and, you know, um, 
I, I, I don't think we'll be able to get away with the sort of exits that we were doing um, in this series. I think we're, gonna, we're still going to have to do something more with that. Uh, but if we can, you never know. You know, you might just be able to um, edge one there. Uh, watching the Springboks, I think everyone's... I think they might be getting ahead of themselves a little bit there. Um, don't get me wrong, they're a handful, um, especially when they're confident. But I think they've got some... Whereas whereas with the All Blacks, I think it's probably in tight. I think with the Springboks, it's out wide. They're an absolute... They've got a bunch of turnstiles in that back line. And I think you could make mincemeat of that. So, look, I think there's some real... Um, some real opportunity there, and it looks like the the Argies are a little bit disarray. So, you know, um, if we can keep it together. Um, I managed to be a complete Jonas, and as I walked, as we sat down to watch the kickoff, I said, God, isn't it amazing, Michael Hooper? How many minutes has he played without getting injured? <laughs> it was the question. And, and I, you know, as it came out, I went, oh, you idiot. And uh, there you go. I think that's the first rugby match I can remember watching where he had to come off injured. It was uh, unbelievable, but... Um, yeah, as long as we can, you know, keep uh, the A team on the ground, I, you know, we've got a, I think we've got a shot of probably, you know, probably upsetting a few people and and definitely not being walkovers. Yeah, that, look, I'll be quite excited. I think that the, the Hooper injury is a shame, but it's you know, it's probably more a shame for the Waratahs who'll be back for the Wallabies, who would see I think is out for four weeks or so potentially. But it's good for his body to have a bit of a rest, and I guess knowing him, he won't have too much of a rest, but hopefully even a week or two away from rugby, um, just doing this physio or rehab or whatever he has to do would be good for him because he, he's done a hell of a lot, I think we all know. Um, what I'm excited about, what gives me hope from the Wallabies, and, and Matt, if you remember the conversation we had after that third Bledisloe Cup win in Brisbane was the impact of those young forwards, and it was Luke Antui off the bench and Jack Dempsey, um, who was fantastic, in particular, who stood up. And, and it's those guys, again, who I think will we need to do again, and, and I'm excited about um, what they can do. Um, I, I really, you know, the physicality of, of, of that lot with Tolu Latu and Taniela Tupo and, and Lucan Tu and Tom Robinson, who's been a real surprise packet from the bench. I think he's been epic um, coming on and playing loose head prop and, and, you know, doing some great stuff um, for for the Wallabies. You know, let alone CEO and Kepu are still doing uh, the starting roles. I think that pack is crucial to us, and I think that tight grinding play or that physical play up the middle, as, as Hugh sort of a, a mentioned, is a great option versus the All Blacks. The Springboks, I, I know what you're saying. You know, I think they'll I, the same. They'll be tough at home. Um, I, you know, I think they'll fall apart on the road. Um, which will be interesting. And Argentina, who knows what's happening with them. Uh, Jaguars are finally performing and the, the Pumas are, are dying in the arse. Um, Hugh, what about you from a rugby championship? What do, you, what do we take from that? What do, what's your feel? It's got to be a bit of a laugh in it. I mean, it's like 40 nil at half time in the first game. It's, you know, 31, 32 nil. Um, and we only lose by 30. Um, look, in, in all seriousness, I, I don't trust this Wallaby team yet. And I wait until... You know, but as low one, I've been for the last two and we've been flogged in both. I'm not going this year. I'm going to be overseas, but it's, um, you know, it, who knows? You know, and when we win or lose, I mean, I'm less worried about resulting in a win. I just want to go in with some good intent and some good attitude and kind of keep the living, you know, what out of Um, and yeah, and then the rest will unfold as it unfolds. But um, it's really just that first All Blacks test that we really just need to set the tone. Um, and that's right, we've just got to get back to winning some games. It's, it's all well and good to be upbeat and, and have good prospects and people coming through. But, um, you know, you, you, <laughs> the object of the game is to win, and the reason why we watch and support is so we can win. So, um, you know, that's, that's what we've got to get back to doing. And I don't... You know, I'm not, I'm not as worried about the style anymore. It's just getting those wins on the board. Yeah, indeed. So 18th, 18th of August is that first uh, rugby championship game, Wallaby All Blacks, in Sydney. So we'll look forward to that. Um, lads, let's touch on Super Rugby. And, and Hugh, you're, uh, I think you said off air, that uh, this hasn't necessarily reignited your you know, passion for Super Rugby at all these tests. You're not particularly enthused about what's oh, coming up. It's just a bit hard to go hard to go out. I feel like I've signed yeah. out on um, on on the finest uh, caviar, and now I'm I'm going home to a, a couple of jats and some um, you know some uh, craft sort of singles or whatever it is. You know, it's it's it's, it's still <laughs> you know it, it'll do. But um, I think we've been treated to one of the best series I can remember. So going back to watching uh, Super Rugby might be a bit of a letdown. 
What if we gave you some Vegemite with that <laughs> Jets and the Browns? <laughs> no, we're talking. But, yeah, I mean, but there's still plenty on the line, isn't there? It's just, you know, I think there's a bit of, few injuries around and Coleman's out and, and people obviously. <clears throat> yeah, well, there's some, yeah, pretty significant injuries in that key game. Let's just run through the Aussie games just uh, to remind ourselves where we are and the first game of the weekend will be um, the Blues hosting the Reds over there at Eden Park. So Blues currently bottom of their um, conference. The New Zealand conference was just three wins in the season uh, on 17 points. And the Reds are second last. The last placed Aussie at the moment is just the four wins this season. Um, you know, it, some of those uh, young Reds packs coming forwards, coming back from uh, their first bit of international rugby, definitely at home. So, you know... If there is an, it's, a, it's Eden Park, and I guess the Blues lost their last game against an Aussie team to the Rebels at Eden Park, so there might be some hope there for the Aussies. Uh, Matt, you reckon the Reds are any chance? Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I don't know. Look, the um, the Reds were starting the show. Uh, you know, it's a bit, bit, they're a bit here and there, but I, I think because of the number of kids they had in that test series, they they might well, you know, take a bit of a fillip from that. Um, and, you know, we saw the Blues are all over the place. So, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I think why not? Why not um, give that one a crack? Yeah, I think I think there are as, as, as good as chance as any of winning away this weekend. Um, Hugh, what about you? Do you think uh, the Reds can I get up there? it's probably the most interesting game of the weekend. Um, you know, Reds, yeah, right. you'd think, yeah, with, with some of those um, young Wallabies coming back into their team, it probably did the proof. I, I, you know, the guy who really... Fascinating to have my eyes on his Caleb Simu because he's got to have seen Luke mm. Tui's performance in that third test and and probably feel a bit burned by um, not getting the, the opportunities um, in the series that he might have liked and not getting the time with the ball. So I'll be interested to see how he bounces back. Well, the suggestions are he might start from the bench again with Luke Tui still being at six with George Smith and Scott Higginbotham in the back row. So uh, once he gets on the field, at least, we'll see how he goes. So that's uh, that's one to watch. Um, the next game is a, is a huge one. Is the Rebels versus Waratahs on Friday night uh, down there in Melbourne. Um, Waratahs obviously on top of the conference, uh, but just by one point ahead of the Rebels. And the Waratahs are without Hooper. You'd think a good chance of being it without Falau, I guess. And while the Rebels will be without Genia, of course, and also Adam Coleman. So four huge losses well, um, across the two well, teams. Well, technically they're not without Falau. His hearing is tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow. Wednesday um, afternoon, and of course, yeah. I, I, I think we, we didn't discuss it in too great detail, but I have a feeling he might actually get off. But, um, yeah, I, think, I, I think they'll say, look, it was a yellow card and, and nothing more, and the mitigating factor will be the CJ standard lift that's acting as something of a yeah. fulcrum and making the impact on the ground far worse than it would have been otherwise. And I think you, I think you can mount a fairly successful case that um, it didn't meet the red card threshold, and, and so... Yeah, there are different factors at play, and, and so he, he, you know, I think worst case he gets a week on the silence, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him get off. Yeah, and also that God will intervene. Yeah, God will intervene. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think I think what goes in Falau's favour, if we can make the case, is he doesn't like touching men's nipples, so there's no way he would have <laughs> his hand across um, <laughs> Amani's uh, chest there. Um, but you guys are confident, regardless of, of the Waratahs. Uh, uh, keeping things on the road there and, and keeping their place at the top of the ladder, uh, uh, Matt. Um, oh, confidence a bit tough if we're missing both of those. Um, I actually think Hooper's probably the yeah. bigger the the bigger um, hit there. Um, I think Hegarty um, plays a really good um, yep. role at fifteen for the Waratahs. Actually, might even say he makes their back line work better. This. Just not that replacement for Hooper. Um, yeah, particularly because I've been using Will Miller well out wide. He's probably got to play a different role now if he's on his own. Yeah, no. Well, although maybe that opens him up to play more of that seven role. I mean, he's, yeah. I guess my sense is he, he, he probably could do that. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. But then again, you know, gosh, you know, what Genia offers to the Rebs. It's, it's, I just think it's a really interesting one. It's hard to know. I'd probably still put it with the Tars. Um, I think they've still got that attacking unit. Um, and you know, it's not like their pack's too shabby. Um, so yeah, I think they've probably got the, I'd probably have them in there as favorites, but, um, I think it could be a ding dong. Yeah, indeed. Q, thoughts quickly? Yeah, to see what they do at Hooker, the Waratahs, because Solo Larks has been playing from the bench. 
um, behind Damien Fitzpatrick. But after that third test, are they going to put him into the starting side? It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Um, and I think the Rebels, I mean, got my and they're coming off a win in New Zealand against the Blues. So they'll be, they'll be um, pretty high on yeah. confidence, you'd think. So, look, I think it's a, it's almost back to a blank slate. You feel like you're back at week one again. The Tars have been off in Japan and the Rebels have been in Western Australia. But um, I think I'll... Yeah, I've got, I've got genuinely not much clue what's going to happen in that game. I'll tip the Tars, um, but, but neither result would surprise me. Yeah, indeed, I'd go similar. Um, and then the other other Australian game of the weekend is on Saturday night with the Brumbies hosting the Hurricanes. The Brumbies, third on the ladder, have won their last two, but they're up against the Hurricanes, who are currently second in the Kiwi Conference on 45 points. Um, yeah, look, the Brumbies were pretty uninspiring despite the last couple of wins uh, leading up to this. Um, I can't see them really, unless the Hurricanes decide to rest a bunch of All Blacks, I can't see the Brumbies, uh, it is in Canberra, can't really see them challenging the, the, the Hurricanes there. What, what about you? No, Hugh? I can't. Also, sidebar quickly to talk about Chance Penny. Did you see what happened? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. suspended eight weeks for a spear tackle, finally get to start back in um, ACT Club Rugby, and nine minutes into his, his first game back, he gets a red card for another spear tackle, and he gets another six-week suspension. <laughs> Oh my god! It was a terrible time. Yeah, um, yeah. it's uh, it was pretty dire. I, I don't know what what that means for him. You know, whether the team can look at him now and say he might be too much of a risk. It's a shame because at his best, he's a good player. But um, it's 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 yeah. hard to uh, look a bit nasty. All right, and Matt, you do you give the uh, Brumbies any hope, mate? No. <clears throat> well, thanks for that input. You're already <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> um, no, that's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Look, uh, I think that pretty much does it. You know, a bit of news around the place, um, uh, which we'll catch up on. But I think... Um, oh, look, let's play kudos to James Stannard, Green and Gold Rugby's own James Stannard, who Chucky, hung yeah. up the, the, the boots um, uh, just this last week or two, and definitely since the last podcast, or at least the last podcast I was involved with. And um, wonderful servant to the game and to uh, Sevens. I know he's keen to get into coaching, so hopefully something comes up for him. But... Um, and I guess congratulations to Ian Payton, another sort of support of Green and Gold Rugby, um, particularly you guys down in Sydney. He's got a new gig with Rugby Australia as well. So um, some interesting developments around the shop there. Yeah, on your payday. And uh, and also, Chucky, yep. really disturbing to think that the injuries he, he sustained from those kind of precluded oh. him from from playing. Um, he must be quite gutted, but... Um, you know, you can you can just tell through whether it's the Twitter sphere or seeing how people talk to Chucky and the things they've done for him since that he's obviously a loved member of the community. You would think that um, he'll be he was kind of the smarts in that sevens team, so you would imagine he'll have probably a career in coaching if he wants to. Um, yeah. And then the only final thing I was going to say is you know thanks once again to um, our you know supporters of Waratahs um, um, helping contribute to the site and keep the whole thing going. So um, thanks very much and. Uh, you know, keep your eyes out for the next home game uh, and, and get along and, and, and see them as they come home to the finals, probably. Yep, indeed. Um, their next home game being uh, Saturday week against the Sun of Alliance Alliance Stadium. So, excellent, Hugh, Matt. Thanks for your time again. And uh, we'll see when we catch up after Super Rugby if we can get back uh, on the roll again. But uh, And to all our listeners, thanks for joining in. We'll catch you next time we podcast. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer.